And we are live. Okay, yes. wonderful. God, I'm out of breath. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready? Because yes. I'm going to watch the Exiles movie tonight. I want to get to have a number. You know, my priorities are, you know, really out of whack. Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to Ghoulies <laughs> Unflushed. Uh, this week we have a fantastic guest in the shape of Mr. Jim Hertzfeld. Is that right? I sounded very German there. Hertzfeld, Mr. Jim Hertzfeld. <laughs> um, the uncredited writer of Ghoulies Go to College. Plus, um, it's a bit of a bumper episode of sorts, as we also have Mark Jardine from Mad About Horror to talk the new Ghoulies line. Plus, yes. some news and a little discussion. Deep breath, Paul. <gasps> Let's go. News! News! We have news! <laughs> and it was perfect timing, wasn't it? Because... Um, uh, we are recording the same day as we found out that Chuck Serino's Ghoulies 4 score, Ghoulies 4 score, 4 score, and 7 minutes. <laughs> Ghoulies 4 score is coming to CD via Dragon's Domain, aka yes. Soundtracks with an X. Soundtracks. Ziggies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Would it surprise you to know, Paul, that I knew this was coming? Did I, te- did I mention it? Did I tell you? Yes, you had told me before oh, it I had was told coming. You. Okay. Well, you didn't tell me it was available to pre-order. I didn't know. The last <laughs> thing I heard uh, was, and this was uh, quite a while ago, um, Chuck Serino. I, I would just say Chuck, mm-hmm. but you know we're not. You know I don't know him that well. Chuck said <laughs> um, legal issues were preventing from seeing a release. Um, right. So he said it wasn't happening, and I thought, oh, okay, well that was a shame. Hmm. You know, I was quite interested. You know, I was quite uh, yeah. you know, excited, and then I just thought it wasn't going to happen anymore. And then suddenly. Unflushed member Ben Brady. God, I'm I'm performing this weekend. I'm writing everything down. God, I'm great. Um, <laughs> ben Brady alerted us to the release today on Facebook, and uh, yeah. it looks great. I, for one, am a Definitely, big fan yeah. of Chuck's score. It's really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like all of, a lot of the film he does. That he, well, it's just his style, isn't it? It's very. You can tell it's him. It's very sort of upbeat and. Yeah. I yeah, like it. D- didn't he do? He did. Mm. Did he do Munchie or Munchies or something? Uh, did he do? Mun- he did the. I'm sure what, he did. Oh, I don't know. Actually, Munchie. Did he do I mean, Munchie? He does, he does. Oh, he probably did. He probably did Munchie. The mun- Munchie ones, as, not Munchies. No, but Munchie. Yeah. Because they were that was Jim Wynorski, wasn't it? Did Munchie Strikes Back? Okay. Because um. Oh no, there's Munchie and Munchie Strikes Back. He probably. I'm guessing he did those two. Yeah. I could load up IMDb and check. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you look you look for all the people who really want to know, and I'll say that um these are CDs available today. It's limited to five hundred copies, but the first fifty orders are signed by Chuck Serino himself. Um, yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, we got one of the first fifty, Paul. Uh, I know someone else yeah, on, the, on so. the group said. If, you, if you'd let me know, is up for a pre-order when you know with your contacts, but. Yeah, I didn't know. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, Chuck did do Munchie. I, I, I spoke with Chuck um, <clears throat> uh, years ago uh, for the yeah. book that's still not out. And uh, he told me about it then. And um, I kind of figured... And then he told me... And then I spoke to him after that. And he said, oh, it's not happening. 
And I thought, oh, crap, that's going to look crap in the book now because everyone's going to be excited because <laughs> it never came out. And again, it's now it's out. So no exclusive yep. for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, I looked at this because when you, when you uh, pre-order... Uh, you get the like you do with our favorite other favorite label uh, WRWTFWW. You get um, mm-hmm. the MP3 or WAV or whatever you want of the album as well, and you get that yeah. too, right? So I looked at the tracks because um, I, I don't know whether you're like me, but this soundtrack has been on the internet for years, right? Mm-hmm. I've, did you download it? You know, many many moons ago, because I did. I did, yes. Okay, we, did, okay. So we didn't <laughs> know that it was... You, you, it's okay, Paul. We, we, we're not technically, you know, um, uh, uh, condoning piracy here. But, <laughs> but when it was the only option to get it, and we didn't even know yeah. that it was, wasn't ever a, an official release, it was... You saw it and you were mm-hmm. going to grab it because, you know, why yeah. not? And um, I forgot what my point was. Um, oh, that was it. <laughs> okay, so, uh, <laughs> so that names. existing soundtrack we have already... Of the of Chuck Serino's yeah. score, had I think twenty one tracks, because I did look before we did this. Okay, now this score oh, okay. only yeah. has seventeen tracks. Oh. Now I haven't compared them both yet. I would be I would be more inclined to think, seeing as it's actually been properly edited and mixed and mastered, that they've yeah. probably just put a couple of shorter Combined tracks together. Mm-hmm. But I don't know yet, and uh, you know. Maybe that's your job for the weekend, Paul, Ooh. to uh, <laughs> to listen to both scores completely and then decide whether or not anything's yeah. missing. See the difference in there. I imagine the uh, official one's going to sound better as well. I am. Um, I, I played the first track because you can actually hear samples before you even buy them, and um, okay. it's really bassy. You know, it's it's. But yeah, yeah. I, I just pressed. I, I listened to the first one. And I was like, "Blimey, that sounds that sounds blimey, that sounds really good." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it sounds good from what I can hear from you know just from the laptop at the time. But um, yeah, no, it, it's, I'm sure it's really nice. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what shall I do? Shall we say what also uh, what what you can say? I was saying, oh, this is you again. Right, right. <laughs> well, I was, I was looking at my notes and seeing if I had anything else to say. Um, ah. Right, so you could say where to pre-order it from. Uh, you could, well, do we, I, well, I, did, I didn't say the full address, but uh, yeah. Where do you pre-order it from, Paul? <laughs> uh, buy Soundtracks. X with an X. Buy Soundtracks with an X. Yes. And, uh, yes. No, just like the way you move forward to say something and then I interrupted you. <laughs> <laughs> I was say I think it's .com, but it's it's a uh, myshopify.com. Mm. .myshopify.com. In fact, but if you Google buy soundtracks, the next it comes up, <laughs> and they've they've got a lot of cool stuff on there. To be fair, a lot of cool horror film soundtracks. Mm. Um, if you're in the UK, like we are, like me and you are, um, obviously it's coming from America, so the shipping is a little bit on the expensive side. So um, I picked up another soundtrack just to even out the pricing a bit because the price was the same for one or two CDs. Yeah. So I thought I might as well grab something else if I'm paying a little bit more for postage. Well, the postage is about just over a tenner, isn't it? The postage was yeah, just over a tenner. Yeah, and Yeah, just over a tenner. Yeah. And the CD was just over a yeah. tenner. That's actually, that's actually not bad, all things considering, to be fair. Not really. It? I mean, I, th- I would imagine by that price they're going to come first class international, um, <clears throat> which... Back in the day, 
um, back in the day when I used to order stuff in the States all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, for like seven or eight quid, you'd get something. So that's about right. It's a, and I, I'm pretty sure I've ordered from them before. And I'm not, I can't mm-hmm. recall off the top of my head what it was, but I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I have. Okay. But um, yeah. So you reminded me just then. So it, it's seventeen ninety five in dollars and it's £12.88 in UK money. Plus shipping. That is cheap, isn't it? That's about that's Oh, good. well, I mean, that's essentially, you're price. paying 20 quid for uh, the soundtrack to Ghoulies 4 on, you know, on a lovely mm-hmm. CD. That would have been nice if it was on vinyl, but you can't have everything. <laughs> but luckily, <laughs> luckily, the WRWTFWW release of Ghoulies, I also brought on CD. So um, at uh, least I've got, I can put it next to it, you know. So, uh-huh. ghoulies <laughs> stuff, which I haven't got. That's a lie. I'm just trying to make it sound a little bit more special. So we've jumped from ghoulies to ghoulies four on the soundtracks. Well, you never know. Maybe we'll we'll fill that in one day. You know. <laughs> mm, hope so. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so uh, that was. It's lovely to have a bit of news to talk about, isn't it, Paul? And uh, yeah. But the other thing I originally wanted to talk about, um, which we kind of expanded to a little bit more is that uh, uh, Mad About Horror, uh, the UK horror retailer, the only British mm-hmm. horror retailer that matters, uh, did a live video last yeah. week with Trick or Treat Studios where they unveiled the Ghoulies puppets and the, we'll call it Ghoulie God Mask because if it, we call it Big Ghoulie or something, it, it, it's not a big mask. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> so before we share our thoughts on what we saw, we spoke with uh, Mark Jardine from Mad About Horror because, well, why not? And uh, we figured he could give us the skinny, as the kids say. Did the kids say that? Possibly. <laughs> One kid <laughs> said that down. once, and that was enough. He uh, referred to it as something kids say. Um, uh, it gave us the skinny of, uh, well, how they're dealing with this and, and uh, how popular they are. So let's cut to Mark, and uh, we'll pop back and give you our thoughts about the puppets after this. Almost right. as professional as me, Graham. <laughs> I don't think I could ever be as professional as you, Mark. <laughs> I aspire those, to be as professional. I was going to say, those dizzying heights of professionalism that Neil and I exude. Yeah, <laughs> looking down on us, less professional people. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 we spoke earlier today, but I thought, why have me struggle to remember our conversation? Let's bring Mark on and talk the top schoolies line, right? Because you're mm-hmm. far more articulate than I am, uh, as you're so much more professional. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... As it's such what we're going to call a momentous release for Goolies fans who've been clambering for merch for oh so long, let's mm-hmm. talk stock, timings, prices, pre-orders. Um, but the uh, but the first question I need to ask is, Mark, how quickly do you need to pre-order to guarantee you don't miss out on any of these amazing products? We would always advise pre-ordering as soon as possible. Um, the main reason I say that more than anything is because when when we ship out pre-orders, we do do them in order of order receipt because it's the only fair way to do it. So obviously, the earlier you pre-order, the more likely it is that you're going to be nearer the front of the queue when it actually comes to shipping. With regards to actually cut-off dates, if, mm-hmm. if that's what you're alluding to, By all um, means. there isn't really a cut-off date um, in that all we would always say is that 
our the the pre-orders that we receive will dictate how many we order because obviously we'll make sure that we've ordered enough to cover the pre-orders um and it's probably important to point out to people that we actually we are actually a licensed reseller of Trick or Treat Studios products, which means that we are one of the few companies that actually buys direct from Trick or Treat Studios rather than through, through a distributor, which yes. means we've got a lot more direct access to stock, which means that we can adjust our stock levels as as we need to. So in that respect, I would say to people, don't panic. Um <laughs> but always the earlier the better, because it may also be that if if it does go well and Trick or Treat Studios aren't able to manufacture as quickly as they would like, it may well be that they have to release them in batches, um, which is what happened recently with um, the Seed of Chucky, um, Glenn and Tiffany dolls. Um, yes. We actually had mm. two batches of those. So the first lot that we got were at, were sold out on pre-order. So anyone that pre-ordered after a certain date, they then got their stock from the second batch. Mm-hmm. So but they're not, the not going to miss out. You just might have to wait. Absolutely. But let's face it, people don't like waiting. <laughs> <laughs> we do not. Well, you know, and as you've indicated to me, Graham, in previous conversations, yeah, fans have waited a long time (laughs) for Ah. this merch, haven't they? (laughs) Yeah. So why make yourself wait any longer? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense to not order immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Well, you said to me. Because I, I was curious as to how you know whether or not you've had a good um, reaction to these. I mean, I mean, you, and you said that these have been selling pretty well, right? Absolutely. I mean, the the response that we've had. So, Trick or Treat Studios announced their 2021 releases um, a couple of months ago. So we found out that in the release of that catalogue that they were planning on releasing Ghoulies products. Um, and they showed pictures of of the props and the masks at that point. And we, to say that we've been inundated with questions about when the pre-orders are going to be released would be an understatement. Um, <laughs> it's fair to say that, that these puppets, the puppets more so, but the masks as well, um, are very hotly anticipated and fans are looking forward to this. I think I think I think some people will be surprised as to how um, hotly anticipated they are because I think they're kind of they're always kind of seen as kind of a lesser gremlins. Um, I don't want to use the word ripoff because you know, <laughs> it's not, but we'll say it. But uh, but the fact that they have been so so um, uh, popular and uh, and you said earlier that you weren't there, where, you, you didn't work for Mad About Horror when the Gremlins came out, but I would probably assume that they are more popular than Gremlins. <laughs> Um, I think what I actually said, Graham, was that pre-orders are more popular now. (laughs) (laughs) What, you're saying I misinterpreted it? I mean, you know. I was misinterpreted, twisting my words. I don't know. You know, take your pick. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Gremlins comes from a bigger studio, doesn't it? 
Of course. So there, and we did say earlier that it's easier to re-release a gremlin when you don't have to change much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, I think anybody who's seen pictures or that the Trick or Treat Studios have released, and um, you may well have seen pictures of the samples. Um, I know that um, for anyone that doesn't know, and they can go and check our Instagram out, um, on our Instagram, Mad About Horror, um, there is um, a video on there where we did an, a live with the sales manager at Trick or Treat Studios, and he showed us the samples. And I will say that the level of detail in these props is incredible. And I would probably say, and um, it does pain me to say this because I'm a massive Gremlins fan and I have a Gremlins <laughs> prop, the level of detail on these, I think, exceeds their Gremlins props. And well, they're cheaper. Yeah, perhaps. And what cheaper? <laughs> they, they are, are cheaper. Yeah. They are cheaper. Yeah, so the, the the Kremlins go for over two hundred pounds. They're about two hundred and twenty, I think, um, mm. off the top of my head. Um, but the Ghoulies puppet props. So there's the fish Ghoulie and the cat Ghoulie at the moment, and they're um, priced at one hundred and ninety nine ninety five each. Yeah, which makes sense because um, they're about five inches shorter than the uh, Gremlins. So that the price no, I mean, point. that five inches does uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, make all the difference. Absolutely, five inches makes all the difference. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should really ask because because um, Paul and I have been was debating about this recently, and as you're a man in the know, you might be able to answer this. Yeah. Why is the rat ghoulie mask priced higher than the other mask? Because of hair. Is it hair? I said hair. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same, but at the same, isn't it kind of, isn't it sort of? I, I we we compared it to like the Jaws mask, which yeah. um is a kind of like a, a slightly oversized mask again, but that hasn't got hair. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously, I'm not part of the manufacturing process, so you know, <laughs> it might it might be um, might be more um, a question fitting of trick, trick or treat studios rather than me. Um, yeah. But the the hair will make a difference. Um, hair, or okay. you tend to find. Um, so yeah, I'm looking at the prices here. Actually, I've just double checked. So the fish ghoulie mask is at forty nine ninety five, and the rat ghoulie mask is at eighty nine ninety five. Forty nine ninety five is very much a standard pricing for um, a, a complete latex mask mm. from Trick or Treat Studios. So if you do look through the catalogue, a lot of the I, 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 I hesitate to use the word standard, but just a solid latex, not solid, because obviously you can get your head in it. But <laughs> when I say solid, I mean completely latex with with no with no additions to it. it tends to sit around forty fifty to fifty five pounds. Um, so to me, seeing the rat ghoulie mask at eighty nine ninety five and seeing the pictures of it, that kind of fits with what I would expect the pricing to be. And, and one of those things is because of hair. The, the oh, extra, it does look I mean, very impressive. It does actually. Um, and I would say, look, just looking at it, the level of detail that's gone into the sculpt on the rat ghoulie mask does also look a lot more intensive than what they've done on the fish ghoulie. 
I mean, the fish goody, I don't think, requires it so much as the rat goody, but it looks to me like the, it's it's a more detailed sculpt. Mm. Mm. Well, fish goody looks a little bit more sort of cartoony in a, in a way, so I think uh, that, that sort of that doesn't really negate such a sort of a wrinkly kind of... It's it's more veiny as opposed to wrinkly. Veins <laughs> yeah. cheaper than wrinkles. <laughs> veiny and hairy. <laughs> wrinkling and hairy means money yeah absolutely <laughs> um out of interest uh mark um if because obviously i mean i appreciate that trick-or-treat pretty much uh, uh handles the the u.s stuff i know that you do the uk i imagine you obviously do europe as well yeah we actually um you'd be surprised at how many trick-or-treat studios products we sell back to the states oh really Wow. Yeah. So, because what? Because shipping's cheaper or because they, they're out of stock in the States? Uh, quite often stock levels. Um, so, I mean, we do sell globally. I mean, we, we sell literally as far as Australia. We've sold props out there and, and what have you. So we are um, at the risk of sounding like I have a massive marketing hat on, but we are truly global. Um, but, <laughs> That's good. you know, the UK is our core market. Um, but, yeah, we do end up sending sending stuff back to the States. It's bonkers. <laughs> well, that's good. So anyone listening who is in Australia, because we do have quite a few Australian listeners, hello there. By all means, if it's too expensive to get it from Trick or Street in the States, go to Mad About Her in the UK because, I mean – or at least just send Mark a message because they'll they'll figure out something for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not personally. I'm going, to, I, I'm going to end up with all these ghoulies in my DMs, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> you love it. <laughs> well, um, uh, Paul, have you got anything that you want to ask about Mad About uh, Yeah, I was going to ask. Um, are you expecting all four items to come in at the same time? Like the puppets that's, and the what we've, that's what we've been told to expect. Um, yeah. I think it's it, they are very much planning on a September release. Um, yeah. So, and considering, I mean, we've not seen, I don't believe we've seen the samples of the masks yet, um, but particularly with the puppets and considering that they've got the samples and according to the information that we have, those are finished factory samples they're not just um initial samples so to be Mm. at that stage at the end of april um i would say that it's it's very likely that 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 they will release in september but i think it is really important to bear in mind that um pre-order dates are always estimates because obviously anything can affect manufacturing and shipping between now and arrival do you know what i mean so Mm. but we've been told to expect them they seem pretty confident on that Mm -hmm. um so yeah we're 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 expecting that we're expecting to receive them october i mean we may even because again as i explained earlier we we do buy direct from trick-or-treat studios and actually they've been trying they've been trying their hardest to get stuff to us um so we've got it to ship mm. at the same time mm. as them. Um, so ordinarily, um, as a lot of horror fans know, stuff releases in the States and then us in the UK have to wait 
six to eight weeks before stock yeah. tends to arrive here. But actually, because of the relationship that we've got with Trick or Treat Studios, they're trying their best on, on these big releases to uh, get stock to us so we can release on the same date. Unfortunately, certain situations around, you know, um, our little island leaving a larger mm-hmm. economic union has meant <laughs> that um, stock can be delayed at borders. Um, so that every can end up every, every month, uh, every every episode, I tr- I try and avoid people saying anything about COVID, mm-hmm. and then we have to get a British guy on and talk about fucking Brexit. <laughs> I don't say that word. I do not say that word. I don't use yeah. that word. I don't use the B word and I don't use the C word. So again, <laughs> uh, again, Mr. Painter, don't be going putting words in my mouth. <laughs> um, obviously, if you haven't got uh, the full amount right now, you can put a deposit down, right? How much is that, Mark? You can. Let me just check for you because it will vary on, I think it varies on certain items. So, for the Rat Ghoulie mask, which is eighty nine ninety five, you can put a £25 deposit down. Um, I will check the uh, fish ghoulie for you. I think it's um, £50 pounds on fish ghoulies, on the ghoulie puppets. Uh, I pre-ordered them. On the now. puppets, it's 50 Yeah, so yeah. on the masks, it's £25 deposit. And on the, on the puppets, it's £50 deposit. If you do pre-order, um, what will happen if if you pay in full, then obviously it's paid. As soon as the items arrive into our warehouse, we'll start shipping those. If you pay a deposit, when the stock arrives into our warehouse, we will get in contact with you via email to request the final balance. And then once the final balance is paid, we will ship your goods. So essentially for 25% deposit, that will hold your ghoulies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and, what, and what Paul is being r- r- rather nice not to say is, can you can you send his out first, please? Uh... <laughs> Depends whether you're going to buy me dinner. <laughs> I pre-ordered. The sooner he gets them, the sooner you get a review out of him. <laughs> Do, you have... well. <laughs> Do you the people that are pre-ordered with the deposits? Do they have to wait until they're in the warehouse to pay the rest, or can you? Um, if, so our standard procedure is that we will automatically contact people um, when the goods arrive. However, um, very often we do have customers contacted, contact us asking if they can pay up early. And yeah. we're always happy to take people's money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you, do, if you do want to pay early, anyone that uh, does want to pay off their deposit early, if they just get in contact with us and we'll email them the payment link. Okay. So they can pay that balance. And then obviously you know that it's all paid up. And I mean, I, I would always, I would certainly recommend that because obviously, you know, if if we're emailing you when the goods arrive, then obviously there's there's the there's there's going to be a little a couple of days lag in yeah. um, customers paying and then us us shipping from there. We do depending on on how much notice we've had of arrival. Um, occasionally we do try and get in contact with people prior to their arrival in the warehouse, but we try not to do that too soon um, right. because obviously it then sets the expectation that we've already got the goods. So we tend to only do that if we've got if we've got com- confirmation that we know when they're going to arrive. Okay. Cool. Brilliant. Well, 
if anyone, any crazy people who don't follow Mad About Horror, um, <laughs> where can they find you and follow you? So we are at www.madabouthorror.co.uk. That's if you're based in the UK. What I will point out is if anybody is based outside of the UK after the aforementioned um, split, <laughs> shall we say, <laughs> if, you, if you're based in Europe, if you go to EU, .madaboutthorror.co.uk or if you're based outside of Europe and outside of the UK go to us.madaboutthorror.co.uk so that's eu.madaboutthorror.co.uk or us.madaboutthorror.co.uk if you use those sites the European site will charge you in euros the US site charges in uh, US dollars um, but also the VAT is taken off because on the US and EU sites, um, they won't pay the UK VAT because mm. customers outside of the UK are going to have to pay tax and duties when they arrive. Uh, we've taken that element off those websites. Okay. If that makes sense. Because okay. mm -hmm. what we found was that we can't control what customers are going to pay on arrival. So we'll do what we can to minimize that impact. So essentially, uh, those customers. That's very kind of you. If we didn't do that, customers would end. Those customers would end up paying tax twice. Um, hmm. So, so we've done that. What we have actually found is that there are some online retailers who, since that point, have been refusing to sell outside of the UK. Oh, but we wouldn't well, do that. They don't make as much money because it's too complicated. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll just put it down to greed again. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so there's that, and then people can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Mad About Horror. Awesome. That's brilliant. Check us, out, uh, check us out on a Friday on Instagram. We do an Instagram live every Friday lunchtime, and we do a Facebook live every Wednesday lunchtime. So, if you're sitting up in your lunch hour, you don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> You've eaten your cheese and pickle sandwich, and you can say, you know what? Playing with your goodies. You're finished doing that. And you can watch Mad About Horror. Interview someone. Absolutely. So, yeah, on on the Facebook Live, we tend we try and interview somebody from the horror community. So it's very much a community thing. And then on our Instagram Lives, we tend to take questions from our followers, which use usually is very product-led and then we show people new releases that have arrived at the, at the warehouse or some older stuff that people might have forgotten about and realised that they haven't got in their collection. So that's a bit more product-led and the Facebook Live is a bit more community-led. Cool. You're okay, branching cool. out. <laughs> I'm, I'm knackered. <laughs> <laughs> Neil and Louise are certainly getting their money's worth. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, you can now you can now go to the pub and you can have a nice pint and you can relax and you can take put your feet up for a little bit. Absolutely, my first Guinness since November. Oh blimey! I don't want to get out of a can. It's no. What if they put it on one of those little things that kind of shake it up? No, it's not the same. No. It's oh not well. The same. It's Whatever. Right. Your pool will be a different colour tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> You got that looked forward to. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you, Mark, for your time and coming on and uh, uh, letting us know how Mad About Horror operates 
because um, obviously you're the best in the business and, you know, it's nice to, to have you on, even though you're everywhere. I look these days, but uh, regardless, we've got you to ourselves just, in 20 minutes. That was fun. I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> Never get tired of seeing your face, Mark. <laughs> well, good speech to you anyway. Hello, <laughs> right, buddy. Speak to you Brilliant. soon. Thanks very Speak much. Speak to you soon. Ta-da. Bye. Yes, bye. So, Mad About Horror and Trick or Treat Studios did a live video about a week ago. Did you watch it, Paul? Of course I did, yes. I watched of course it live. Okay. Where they revealed not only the Ghoulie God mask, or what do they call... Is it just called... What's the actual... What's it called? Is it just called Ghoulie mask or Fish Ghoulie it's mask? It's Fish Ghoulie mask. Even though I, I think, it's fish I think mask, it looks more, fish it looks mask, more like the, the giant Ghoulie. It is the giant Ghoulie, yeah. Yeah, but um, they just call it a Fish Ghoulie. They've just called it a Fish Ghoulie, yeah. Um, but uh, not only that, but they also unveiled both the fish and cat puppets. Yep. As a uh, mark, uh, very well just described that because he said all this. But just in case, <laughs> I can't remember what he said from twenty minutes ago. Um, I'm just saying it again. Uh, the video should be on YouTube by now for any of that missed it. But um, we'll post a link on the Unflushed page. If it isn't, it's on their Instagram page right now. Uh, you can just go to like previous videos and. Watch it all then, which is nice because you get a nice big picture. Mm-hmm. I complained to him, uh, Mark earlier. I didn't complain to him because I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> but I did say that when I watched it on my wife's phone, because I haven't got Instagram, um, everyone's comments over the bottom of it kept, but I'm trying to see the ghoulie, and there was people like saying, Oh, this is great. And I'm like, Yeah, well, that's great. <laughs> Stop talking because I can't see the ghoulie's feet. Um, so oh, now you can go and watch on, it. Um, I watched it on my laptop. So I had a big yeah. screen because you can still log into oh, Instagram well. that way. Well, I'm not on Instagram. You can, you can actually, I looked today, you can actually, if you go to Instagram or Mad About Horror yeah. and then just click on the, the video and then it says something like, oh, you've got to sign in if you want to watch this. But then if you right click it and open in a new tab, then you yeah. can watch it. Uh, so you don't have okay. to be a, an Instagram uh, slave <laughs> to watch it. Um, well, uh, Neil was hosting the feed and he was very impressed with the puppets and masks. But Paul, yeah. now that we've seen these almost in the flesh what what did you think I thought well should we start with fish I thought fish I thought it looked amazing from what we could see on the video um, I just loved pretty much everything about him the the, the size so we, were, we, were, we had to debate on the size didn't we and um, they even compared him we will him. still debate on the size in yeah. the moment well they held him up to the tot <laughs> gremlin um, and you can see he is a bit smaller in size which he's supposed to be which is good um but I thought he looked amazing and um, he twirled him around on the camera and he even put his hand into the back. And, and there's another good thing. So it is a puppet um, and it the, the uh, hole in the back to put your hand in is, is well, it looked very hidden, didn't it? It kind of blended in, in with spine. Um, yeah. his spine, like his fins on the back. So they kind of opened up. You could put your hand in there. So if you'd looked around, it's almost like it didn't look like a puppet. It was like a, you know, an actual prop as it were big rubber statue yeah big rubber statue <laughs> um which i thought yeah i thought it looked really good um he did put his hand in it as well to uh, have a bit of movement of the mouth um the mouth didn't move that much not that i'm really bothered i don't think i'd probably i don't think i'd probably use it as a puppet i don't use my gremlin as a puppet at all no there's so, not much articulation in the gremlin's mouth either really no, it's really no, just no. like a big nice rubber prop so that's more of just a novelty thing 
I guess for, mm. for me at least. Uh, but no, I looked at, and the detail looked amazing. You know, from what you can see on the video, on a, you know, on an Instagram video, the, the detail looked very, very good. The color as well looked very good. Um, so yeah, I was very, very impressed with Fish Ghoulie. How about yourself, Graham? Well, <clears throat> I think it is definitely the the um, the better of the two. And I don't want to sound like a, a grumpy bastard in that sense, but because because it's amazing to see all these, and they are all so good. But of, of everything that they are releasing this year, Fish is definitely the um, the high point of the line. I think. Yeah. You know, I think Justin maybe did. You know, although Justin has done his own thing a little bit with it. You know, um, it is. Um, you know, I love the, I love the fact it's a little bit. We've all did, we've done this already. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I did like it. <laughs> what what my okay, but but what I did like about okay, well, so, well, what I did like about it mm-hmm. was it it wasn't quite as big as I thought. Now you said uh, on Justin Mowbray's Instagram, he said they they were just oh. over two foot. Was yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, because you panicked. No, I, I I yeah, and I got all pissy about it. And then uh, <laughs> and then I said I said they should be you know probably about 16, 18 inches. Mm-hmm. And then we spoke to Mike Dig, who said, who basically confirmed my uh, my thoughts, and uh, so I was extremely vindicated and a little bit hard. <laughs> and then um, we, uh, and then it came out again on the video, and it actually looks pretty well sized on the video, mm-hmm. right? There's um, uh, it doesn't look big. It doesn't look as big as a gremlin. It's about five inches smaller than the gremlin. I think on the on the Trick or Treat Studio site it says they're twenty three inches. So we're literally just shy of two foot. Now, so even so, <laughs> <laughs> technically, for fish, that's about six inches too big because he was the smallest of the bunch. Yeah. But you know what? It, I, I expected because I expected it to be bigger, and I'm I'm glad it wasn't over two foot. I'm glad it's under two foot, and it's not going to stop me buying it. You know. Good. I can't exactly turn around and say, by the way, they, they're going to get fantastic um, fish ghoulie replicas for under 200 quid. You're going to want one of a, nah, nothing is too big. <laughs> I'd sound like a bumhole. So, no, of course I'm going to pick one up. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I think, I think again, even though it's lovely, I think the issue I had more was with the cat ghoulie. Okay. And I only just earlier... Well, I, I sent you some pictures, didn't I? Because yep. I think yep. I figured out what it is. Mm-hmm. So, allow me to be a grumpy man here, but I think the head's not fat enough. Because <laughs> 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 I, I sent you a couple of pictures, and you did. Uh, I, it just—it always looked a bit goofy. There's something about it. I didn't quite—it just didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's the body. I don't <laughs> think it's anything like that. I think literally, I think it's the head, and. Um, the, the you know the cat ghoulie has always been the the, the kind of like the chubby ghoulie, and if you look at screenshots or if you pause the movie or just whatever you know, uh, you'll see that fish ghoulie, uh, fish ghoulie, uh, cat ghoulie has got kind of like a big fat chin, mm. like it's it's almost like see my huge beard, right? Yeah. If that was skin, <laughs> that's what he looks like, right? <laughs> and it looks like there's no big chin on him. I mean, all the all the all the shots of him are kind of like him going. Like, and he's like pushed his big fat head into his body, and this does look a little bit thin. And I think that's it. I don't know what it is about it, but it just throws me off a little bit. Not to say I'm really, really impressed with all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but of course, you know when you when you watch this all the time, you're gonna you're gonna notice things that aren't quite right. Yeah. Um, but um, you know what? You know the big. Do- and this is this is also coming from a video. 
right? Mm-hmm. So yep. if we were at a convention and I see it on a shelf, you know, and it looks amazing, which it will do, I'm sure. <laughs> Gee, of course, you, yeah, because you're going to, um, you know, what? <laughs> who needs to eat, you know? So, yeah, I'm not to, not to say that, you know, there's anything wrong with it, but, um, you know, and until you really get it in your hands, you can't really ascertain that. But, um, yeah. So I might wait until I see that in the flesh before I buy it, but I'll definitely mm-hmm. be picking up the fish ghoulie because I'd be a stupid not to. Okay. What did yeah. you What did you think of it? No, I really liked it. It didn't impress for some reason. I don't know. It didn't impress me as much as the fish ghoulie. I think mm-hmm. for me, it looks a bit. And I'm only being like super super critical, so I'm still getting it. I'm still going to buy one. I'm still buying one. Yeah, you've already it. bought it, haven't you? So yeah, yeah, yeah I've already pre-ordered one. Um, you're allowed to be critical then, because you're yeah. like you're still playing down funds. I'm critical. Know, I'm, I'm not giving tots my money. Yet. I, I never noticed the chin thing, which you which you said. But I don't know. Just <laughs> look, he looks a bit. He looks just looks a bit crazy, a bit wild. I know he does in the film, but he just I don't know. It's just something. He just looks a bit crazy. He's goofy. Like, yeah, goofy. Yeah, yeah. He's a bit happy. No, no. He's, I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It's just a bit. I don't know. But I, I'm just being super critical because I still think it looks really good. Um, it does. I think it's better than anything we've ever the seen before. The sculpting on the body that looks really good, or his sort of, you know, his wrinkles on his, around his body and. Everything and wrinkles like mean really money. Good. Yeah, and he's got hair. And on hair. Him as well. He's got wrinkles and hair. Um, I, I'm. I don't think he's got a little willy though, which is a bit annoying. He has. He has. I'm sure. He, well, the sculpt he had a. He had a. <laughs> <laughs> he had a willy. Um, and when when and I don't know. Uh, forgive me. I don't know the guy's name who was uh, part of Tots who was showing them off. Right. But when he showed him up, put his legs in the air, you could see his balls. Ah, okay. Well, and of course, I'm just projecting because I want to see balls. <laughs> but I think, but uh, you know, again, I've, I've, they've got they. Well, they can't put a guy, a, a creature with a cock on a shelf. <laughs> so, so they've just literally put some laid some hair over it, just so you yeah. Know. The ha- the hair looked very um, like it's meant to be there, like it's hiding. Like we'll put hair here so you can't see anything, or, or yeah. we'll hide the fact that there's not a willy on there. It's like a merkin. Yeah. <laughs> Like a cock wig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, say it looks well. But you've, you've pre-ordered them all anyway. Oh, yeah. and we shouldn't ne- not neglect to uh, talk about the fish ghoulie mask then. What yeah. do you think of that? I thought that looked brilliant. Like the, again, the colours were amazing and the, like, the real veiny effects on it all over the back of the head just looks really, really good. Um, there's something about the face... <clears throat> I thought, I, I <laughs> Which is what, I that is a face. When, we, when it was first revealed, I was like, oh yeah, that's the giant uh, fish ghoulie. That looks amazing and it's spot on. Then when mm. I, you actually go back and watch Ghoulies 2, it's like, oh no, this mouth's a bit different shape. Bananery. But, um, yeah. But uh, no, it still looks really good. Um, but I guess it's like a, like the artist's impersonation of it, isn't it? They take, they put their, add their own little, uh, bit to it, the sculptors. So no, I think it looks brilliant. I'm sure. You say I you yeah, but and again you proved it. But <clears throat> I'm sure I told I said this to you originally when they released pictures, and you were like, no, 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 it's great, I really mm. love that. And now you've gone, ah, bit bananary. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks good. It's just it's something. I just in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, that looks exactly like the giant ghouli. But then when you actually go back, like, oh, no, it doesn't. Oh, okay, no, well, it does, but not as much as what I thought. But it hasn't Almost stopped me like a, a bit of a, So I'm still excited. A bit of a caricature. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, though. The eyes are amazing. Mm. 
And I know that it's just probably black with a with a glaze over them. <laughs> is that <laughs> glaze? That's cakes or master. But I tell you what, they were perfect. I, I mean, as I say, the paint job and the, the, that's that was brilliant. I mean, that yeah. really looks nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I, I think that's going to be one of these things again that you go, oh, that does look really cool, and you see it in person. I think it's going to blow you away. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Very exciting times for Ghoulies fans at the moment. Look at that! So much stuff's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and as uh, and as Mark said, they are one nine nine, which mm-hmm. is good because we thought they were going to be two fifty. Yeah, we? yeah, yeah. So that's a hundred quid saved if you get them both straight away. UK one. Oh, <laughs> Maths, maths. And also the uh, fish goody was a bit cheaper than we thought as well. The, the fish goody mask was a bit cheaper. Was it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, oh. I think we were expecting more than forty nine ninety nine or 49 Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And also, I know we've not mentioned it because it wasn't in the video, but um, I am still looking forward to seeing the rat mask in person, you know. I'm not really sure how that's going to... Mm. Um, how effective it's going to be because I don't like these looking through the the, the um, mouth masks mm. particularly but well, um wear it, again then. i'm not gonna wear it no <laughs> <laughs> do you think we well like get like a, a pink leotard and yeah. like cover it with my hair <laughs> get my get my cock wig out you know <laughs> <laughs> um and it's still and oh well and obviously um mark did say that uh uh the reason the rat is more than likely expensive is because of a bit of hair mm-hmm. so there we go we were right i did say that didn't i yep Yep. I might have been in jest, but I did say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, is that it? Have we got anything else to talk about or are we going to guests? I think that's it. I think that's good. Yeah. Exc- well, exciting. Okay, exciting. Well, it, we've got big, big guests now as well. It was really good fun. Mm-hmm. You enjoyed that, didn't you? Yeah. You, yeah. you enjoyed well, enjoy them all. I enjoyed all of them, yeah. But yeah, again, this was a, you know, quite a high-profile guest again, so... And almost one that people didn't know about because, um, kind of, you know, yeah, there's a lot to be said. But, uh, 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 shall I start? Like I say, it's a very high profile guest who's done a lot of stuff outside of Ghoulies and quite yes. surprised that he's willing to talk about Ghoulies, you know, when you look at his other work that he's gone on to do. Yeah. And we covered a lot of that, didn't we, as well? So um, yeah. there's, there's bits there for people who, who like his other his other work. Mm-hmm. But um you know the funny thing there's also a lot to be said about writers actors or any cast and crew member uh, not getting a credit in a movie for multiple reasons obviously unions have rules and that kind of thing and in this day and age uh, you can just pop onto the IMDB and add yourself in an uncredited role you could even probably do it you could almost tell her I was in Night of the Living Dead (laughs) because you were probably about 20 when that came out in 68 right so you you definitely could have been in it so people are getting credit even if it is rather late in the game Um, but uh, I found out that Jim um, Hertzfeld did the rewrite on the third Ghoulies film just because I bought a script um, and it had his name in it Mm. that's the only clue we had so we found him tracked him down he said hi Um, so (laughs) and he was very very nice uh, so uh, here's Jim uh, to talk about his career, John Beekler, uh, and much, much more. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Hertzfeld. <laughs> it's great to speak to you finally. Um, and thank yeah. you for giving up yeah. some time because uh, I suppose, you know, are you able to work? Uh, I guess you're able to work from home, particularly, you know, oh, yeah. what you do, right? How are you doing? I'm like, my life has changed not one bit when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> I sat home with a laptop 
for 35 years roughly, and then I did it again for another year, big deal. Um, although it has slowed a lot of things. I had to do a lot of pitching and things. I have a project I'm trying to get going with Arsenio Hall, who's, I don't know if you know how well, who he is being Brits, but yeah. he's coming to America too with Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy. And we, we, mm-hmm. we've been working on it, something for a year and we had to keep pushing it. And it just, and when you stop and go, how come this hasn't happened yet? The sad reality is that we couldn't get in a room with executives with somebody as dynamic as, as Arsenio. And we, and we, and we kept thinking, well, we'll pitch it when Arsenio is hot coming off the movie and the movie kept mm-hmm. getting pushed. The movie was supposed to be released, I believe last spring. And then they pushed it to summer and then they pushed it to Christmas. And then they finally said, fuck it. Let's just have it come out on Amazon prime in March. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm curious as a little bit surrounding, uh, obviously a little bit surrounding you've, you've had a great career, but, um, was your, um, break into the industry, uh, on the Gary Shandling show? Was that the first thing you kind of. No, on? no, it was a first kind of, you know, professional thing, but I had written a movie with a friend of mine while I was still at UCLA film school <laughs> and you can find it online. And I used to have a DVD of it and it got lost in a move, but I could get one again called tape heads which was mm-hmm. pitched to um, me uh, by the director, a guy named Bill Fishman, who had been doing rock videos back then. Um, he did a, actually this might turn you guys on. He did a video that, that uh, by the a band called suicidal tendencies, a song called institution or institutionalized. I don't know, but you should check it out. But here's the mm-hmm. thing. Here's why I bring it up to you guys, because you, 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 you love the horror movies and whatnot. He got cameos from Mary Warrenos and um, Jack, the guy that played Eraserhead. Dance. Ah. Jack Dance. Yes. They mm. are in his video, and, he, and that was when I was working with him, was when he shot that video. So I went by the set once, and, you know, and so, yeah, so there's, there was well, tape. That's another that, link. To Ghoulies, yeah. um, uh, Jim, because uh, um, Jack Nance was in the first Ghoulies, as was uh, Keith Joe Dick, who was in Tapehead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, there you go. So, you know, in the Ghoulies, Ghoulies world, maybe there's not 12 degrees of separation. There's just maybe <laughs> one. Yeah, maybe Kevin Bacon has a connection to the Ghoulies. Who knows? <laughs> so... Um, so, yeah, and that was a Michael Nesmith produced food. I got to say, you know, we I wasn't in the Writers Guild then. I I got um, contacted by one of my screenwriting professors, actually, a guy named Richard Walter, whose sister, Jessica Walter, just died. Um, and if you know film, then you'll know Jessica Walter was in a lot of them, including Play Misty for Me with Clint Eastwood was her big first role, I think. But she's she was mostly famous recently for being in um, uh, Arrested Development, um, that series. Yeah. But anyway, Fishman came to call the professor at UCLA Film School, which is a smart move if you have no money and you want to maybe find new writers that aren't in the guild because then you don't have to pay guild money. Mm-hmm. And Richard Walter had read something I'd written for one of his screenwriting classes and thought it was funny enough to tell, well, there's this guy, Jim Herschel. So and my friend Ryan Rowe, who was a year older than me, went to film school as well. We went to high school together. And so the two of us met with him and we figured out the story and we wrote a draft. And again, we weren't in the Writers Guild. So um, we got paid. I don't even know. I mean, I remember back then 
I could live on 400 bucks a month, including my rent in LA. That was impressive. But um, I think we got paid maybe a grand a piece or under two grand a piece to, to write a, whatever, a treatment in the first draft. And oddly enough, a lot of that first draft and a lot of the actual jokes and set pieces are still in there. But fast forward, and then when Ryan and I finished that, we looked at each other and, when, and we turned in the script and we liked Bill Fishman, but we thought, I think we shook hands on it. So we made some like callous 20 year old college boy joke, like, dude, if this movie ever gets made, I will blow you. Because <laughs> we were so convinced <laughs> that we wouldn't, you know, we would never do that. And we would never, we never thought it would get made. And then it got made. Anyway. We didn't really, Dad, we're not really sticking to that. Uh, no. <laughs> so, anyways, I think I bought him a weird statue when I was in Europe of like two naked guys wrestling and grabbing each other's dicks. And I said, this is as close as we get. <laughs> so, anyways, um, it got made. And Michael Nesmith um, of the Monkees. Um, you guys familiar with the monkeys much? It was a big deal in America in yeah. the sixties. Yeah, yeah. They were yeah. supposed to be the Beatles and all that. Mm-hmm. Not they weren't, yeah, you the know. The, yeah, the TV version of the, where, where's our Beatles? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> and Michael Nesmith did very well uh, in, in early on and with some funky movies. I think he produced maybe he produced Repo Man. I don't know, but anyway, there was an Alex Cox connection there. Uh, Peter McCarthy for a while. Uh, and Alex Cox did a Repo Man, which if you've never seen that, it's a cool movie from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Mm. But anyways, um, starring Emilio Estevez. <laughs> and um, anyway, yeah, the movie got the movie got made. But the, but the funny thing was, and um, not funny, but we got a call from Fishman like maybe a year after we turned in the draft. And... Fishman said, hey, the movie's getting made. And we went, yay. And then we remembered that blowjob thing. We went, oh, no. And anyways. <laughs> and, um, and he said, the next thing he said was, and you know, and Peter and I, meaning Peter McCarthy, the producer, who was also went to UCLA Film School a couple years ahead of us. We did. We, we took a couple passes at it. And, you know, it's we'll send it to you. It's it's you know, but here's the thing. We really we really needed to get. Um, you know, it, it, it made. And so we took your name off uh, screenplay and gave you story by credit. And, and that's when we looked at each other and went, ah, you know, as young writers in Hollywood, this is why they have the writers guild (laughs) (laughs) to protect writers from directors and producers who do these kinds of things. And, but they, they knew that was kind of a shitty move. And so they said, but we're going to make it up to you. We want to give you $3,000 a piece. What do you say? And being broke as fuck back then, we said, boy, they're really putting this over a barrel. But yes, we will take it. Thank you. <laughs> so that's how it turned out. I mean, we got a story by credit, even though if you really looked at it and said, well, what did Jim and Ryan do? And what did Peter? And it would be totally have been shared screenplay credit. So mm. that's just one of those things. Every Almost every writer has their before I was in the Guild story. And speaking of Shandling. <laughs> Speaking of Shandling, if you, hmm. I don't expect anybody to ever do this, but if you look at the season I was on, I have a researcher credit, even though I was at the writer's table every day, because they didn't want to pay Guild Scale for me, because I was, oh, you know, wow. new and untested, and they liked, I pitched a ton of ideas that they liked, and I would sit at the table, and that was a fantastic table of writers. I mean, all huge heavy hitters that, you know, made huge things happen, you know, every 
I don't know if you care about this, but it was Shandling had like the A list of 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 television writers because he was such mm-hmm. a such a fantastic comedian. Um, and you know, Judd Apatow's came into the picture after of the Shandling show. So everything, most, a lot of stuff that, you know, from maybe know about Shandling and his whole thing, a lot of it's through Apatow. And he did a Zen diaries of Gary Shandling. It was a four hour documentary on HBO. And yeah, I told Judd when I saw him later, he came across like a, literally like a steamer chest full of notes that Gary had written for 15 years and went through them all. And I said to Judd, I said, uh, I said, I watched that. And when I was over, I knew Gary better than I knew my own father. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that wasn't even hyperbole. I mean, <laughs> my dad didn't write 15 years of inner thoughts and things and leave them for people to read. So <laughs> anyways, back to back to the ghoulies. So I had I'm trying to remember the chronology of when I uh, I think I think I had I think it was. Yes, it was. It was after it was maybe after Shandling. But before mm-hmm. I started working in television again, which was really 1990, I started working in television again. I think that's when I jumped on the Ghoulies project. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I didn't, I, I don't think I'd seen the, the prior Ghoulies, didn't matter. Um, a guy named Ian Patterson, who spells his name funny, Ian with an extra A or something. Extra yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Ian Patterson and and um, actually Larry somebody was the head of yes exactly and then he went on to work with uh, James Cameron on uh, Terminator and yeah all that stuff so everybody was and then I wondered what I always wondered what happened to Ian and then I, I think maybe three years ago I think I was watching Stranger Things yeah <laughs> <Just producing laughs> that. yeah yeah. <laughs> Did you manage to talk to Ian for your podcast or anything or your book, uh, Graham? No, I'd never been able to get Ian. Have you, have you tried to get Ian for this, Paul? <laughs> no, I haven't. No. Imagine, you know, I'm sure on Ian Patterson, now he's that he's literally sitting on, an, you know, a mountain of dollars or pounds. <laughs> he doesn't start the conversation with, do you know I produced a Ghoulies movie? <laughs> Which he should. <laughs> well, I know, and you're yes, in the in your universe, he should lead with that. <laughs> but um, but it was uh, yeah, I was actually you know always happy for people that I I don't have Schadenfreude and all that stuff. I'm 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 fine. I I got some stuff done, so I was happy to see that he actually was riding a great uh, wave uh, recently, as opposed to you know selling cars and and slough. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he? He's a Brit, right? Is he a, I can't remember. Is he a Scotsman? I, I think don't know. He is. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So they sent me the script, and and at that point, um, anybody that was seriously offering me a rewrite, I uh, was not going to say no unless it was just I don't know what to do with this. And of course, I want to say Brett, right? It was Brett's Brent. Brent Olson. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Brett Olson had laid down a decent beginning, middle and end. Um, so and I. Yeah, I mean, he did. And that's almost how it always is in screenwriting. The the guy that that actually comes up with the functioning first draft um, did the did the Yeoman's work, did the you know majority of the work. So so good for him. And <laughs> I will say that I spent. 
and it was a fine experience. And it was, and I met with, and I immediately met with John Carl and Larry and Ian over in the offices. I think they were in Century City, which is a bunch of offices and shopping and restaurants that was built on the back lot of 20th Century Fox in the 60s. Mm-hmm. That's the Century City. And, um, they um, really just wanted me to bring uh, more fun and humor to it all um, based on some of the, I, I, I don't know if they read a script that I wrote. Uh, it's hard to say which, what your agent at the time sent that they went, oh, well, this guy's funny. Let's try him. It was probably, it's probably a script that I wrote called Meet the, Meet the Deedles, which actually Disney did make. Um, I saw it. Saw it. Yeah. Oh, did you? Cool. Now that's that's a whole other story. <laughs> when they when, yeah, when they go on when they go on the the uh, if I ever go on the how Disney turns a, a, a an edgy funny National Lampoon script into a Disney kitty film, that'll be the, <laughs> yeah, I will go on that. But yeah, it was originally very edgy. National Lampoon optioned it for a while, and it was you know the, the log line was too wealthy. Uh, surfers get sent to Kansas as punishment to um, to hang out with their Midwestern cousins, and they wind up saving the the family the family's farm from a vengeant rancher. So that was really what it was back then. And then over the course of and that that script it kept getting optioned and getting me work and all that. So it's one and that and almost everybody will screenwriters will tell you about the script that kind of broke them into the industry. And a lot of them, the movie never gets made. It's just a great writing sample. Um, so yeah, that eventually, then I started to work with Disney and they, they said, we, we've always loved meet the Deedles and we don't know what to do with it, but we also have always wanted to make a Yellowstone. So maybe we'll hire you to turn it into a Yellowstone movie. <laughs> and I went, <laughs> All right, where's the money? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's what that that's what happened there. Um, but anyways, they probably they probably read my first draft of Meet the Deedles and said this guy's funny enough. Mm-hmm. And I went to Century City and met with the guys. And it was really just there wasn't a whole lot of, from what I can recall, a lot of discussions before I went off, you know, it was just like, look at everything, make, you know, try to find more humor. I, I honestly don't remember plot wise saying, Oh, you know, it drags here. We need to fix this or that. I'm, I can't remember. You guys would know this better. Mm-hmm. And I think I asked you one time at Graham, you were like, well, how what's yours and what's Brett's? And I said, you got to find Brent's draft. I, I can't tell you. It's amazing you found my draft. Um, badly that I've not, and now, you know, I feel badly that I've not made a point of printing everything out I've ever done and keeping it somewhere because when you're doing it, you're like, you know, maybe I should print a copy of this. Oh, why would I? I have this five and a quarter inch floppy disk. It'll be there forever. <laughs> well, that's and, true. Uh, I sent you a copy of it though, right? You did. Yeah. You know, yeah, okay. so, so if you ever, did you ever get a chance to grab Brent's uh, copy or draft? Did you ever find him? No, no, I couldn't. And I couldn't find him either. Um, I think the only thing he's ever done is that. And I get wow. the impression yeah. he worked for Disney as well. He might have. There's a, you know, it did, and probably not, maybe not as a writer. I mean, Disney. No, I mean, Pat, no I don't think he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So anyway, he knows if he was in the I guess he must have been in the Writers Guild because he I, he we arbitrated, um, and that was one of my first experiences with arbitration. Uh, and I and if what the tendency is because I, I do remember when I got done with my draft, and I think I only, I don't remember if I did a full pass and then notes, and then I don't remember what I was contractually obligated to do. But I was kind of expected to be the guy that would see it into production, you know, and if they had any problems, I would be the writer on call, you know, like that whole thing. And that's actually what happened. They didn't really bring anybody in after I was uh, brought on. And I did wind up at the set, um, which I'll talk about. But I got to tell you, I've got so I've got so few memories uh, and I shared a lot of them with Graham already. But Mm -hmm. but anyways, um, uh, the, the shocker for me was that I was mostly there for jokes and dialogue and stuff. I can't remember, honestly, if Brent's draft had the prank week thing or not. It's prank week. <laughs> I, 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 I'm gonna, Brent, if you ever hear this, forgive me if you came up with Brent week, uh, prank week, but, it, uh, but my, my feeling is that it was probably pitched to me from John or I may have, uh, I don't think I came up with that on my own because usually I went to college and I wasn't in the fraternity system, but I would have known if they had a prank. I just wouldn't have come up with what a bad prank week. So I think it might've been John Carl or somebody. Um, if it wasn't in Brent's first draft, let's preface that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do remember going, Oh, I've got some, you know, pranks. I've got jokes, you know, waiting to happen. I mean, it was a good idea. Very mm-hmm. good idea, especially given the nature and the, of the ghoulies and the tone and like, you know, they're mischievous. So let's have other people trying to be mischievous. And then the ghoulies being somehow involved with that will crank it up and they'll also <laughs> suspend the disbelief. Like when weird shit's happened, they're like, you know, well, it's must have been prank week, you know, that was, whoever came up with that was 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 on to something. Um, but I do remember that when I finished the draft. I had there every page had a heavy overlay of my sensibility and my feel for dialogue and humor. Um, so that when it finally came to time to arbitrate with the writers guild about credit, I thought I remember I had to write a statement and it was, and, and I was naive and I just went, Hey, of course I deserve screenplay credit. Every, every line of, you know, just about every line of the, the great majority of the dialogue is mine. These jokes are mine. This, 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 I laid it, I laid it out. And the Writers Guild, now that I know how it works, the arbitrators, and by arbitrators, they get three writers with, you know, some, they, they pick you. It's almost like jury duty. Um, you guys have jury duty in England, right? Yeah. 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 That's almost like you get drafted. The guild calls you every once in a while. Hey, you want to do an arbitration? And most of the time, you go, <laughs> Because, you know, it can take a long time. They can send you 20 drafts of stuff that you're supposed to read and you're supposed to decide. It's literally deciding where the credit lies. Anyway, very quickly, I found out that rewriting dialogue and and coming up with a set piece here and there, a a funny scene or whatever, doesn't count for shit. (laughs) So I didn't get credit. And I remember being a little like, huh, but I had other stuff going on and I'd only put about I don't even know, six weeks of my life into the whole thing. So it wasn't like, oh, my God, I, you know, I'm not getting credit. It was just like, oh, that's an eye opener. All right. So, yeah. And then I remember go. And then after that, I was in touch with them. And at one point, 
they asked me to, I think I, there was a PA or somebody that I was, that was the point guy on where's the script. How do we get it back then? You had to, they didn't have the internet. You had to rent a copy of the draft and a messenger would come mm-hmm. get it. And all that. So anyways, um, uh, at one point is I was in touch with that person. I wasn't like in touch with John Carl. It was right. John Carl's assistant or something. And they kept me like, you know, I would call back then and, um, every once in a while and go, Hey, just thought I'd ask if when's the movie going and all that. And he's like, Oh yeah, we're actually shooting out in the Santa Clarita next week. And I was like, Oh, well, cool. Well, I'd like to come by. Sure. No problem. And so, yeah, I went out to the, and I remember there was some talk, me being a, how old was I then? 25 or six year old dude. He was like, you got to come for the shower scene, of course. <laughs> I was like, when's that? Um, I was in a relationship with a girlfriend, so I wasn't like, you know, I had to be like, I don't, and, and, and actually, I do remember this now. The day of the shower scene or the panty, whatever, when they hired pretty much Playboy models or whatever to hang out and be particularly <laughs> good, um, I couldn't, I couldn't go. I was working. I mean, I literally was like, it was that, it was that, no, well, it's going to take me half an hour to get there. And I, <laughs> I, I owe somebody some page. It was like such a good boy thing to do that now, which I totally regret now. <laughs> now I look back and go, how often do you get to hang out on the set of something you worked on? And just, you know, but yeah, so I wasn't there for that. I was there for the scene. And again, Graham, I think I told you this, but I was there for, um, third act stuff like like i was there when ava larue uh was tied up on the table by kevin mccarthy yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i was there when marcia wallace was hanging out and so there was i was there for that um and i was also i vaguely remember being shown or seen the frat house set um, but mostly I remember the library stacks and the room that was off, I guess it was Ragnar's office. Yep. Mm-hmm. Off the, uh, next, whatever. I mean, maybe it wasn't attached to the library stacks, but the sets were next to each other. <laughs> um, so I was there for that. And I do remember that Ava LaRue, she was already on a soap opera. So she already had, you know, some, some, uh, some cachet. She, and she never, um, got naked or anything, but she was a little, and God, you know, rightfully so, when they came to shoot that, <laughs> she was like, how many people are going to be here for this? <laughs> and so, yeah, and so uh, I think I either had to like kind of move kind of out of love, <laughs> like, okay, well, I'm not vital here, so I'll, but I did, I think I watched that from afar. And then I mm-hmm. wound up talking to Marsha Wallace and Kevin McCarthy. And I, and I, it's funny because I'm friends with Lilla McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy's daughter, who was an executive in Hollywood for years. I she thinks she's still kind of hanging in there, um, but mostly retired. And so it's ironic. I talked to Kevin McCarthy a bit, not knowing that I would be friendly with his daughter uh, later. And I also um, talked to Marsha Wallace um and back then i was like i've always been a fan of yours but she wasn't really on the simpsons then i think she the simpsons mm-hmm. had just started and so 
you know, she went on to bigger, she went on to become through the people that follow these things much, almost much bigger than what she was on the new heart show to a whole generation of people. Um, but, um, but yeah, that, that was, that's almost covers my entire experience with the ghoulies. Did, um, did, did, uh, kind of Kevin McCarthy, I mean, how did, how did they view, um, you know, working on this thing from your point of view, did they take this seriously or was it just, you know, a bit of a laugh for them? You know, from what I could tell, cause I didn't hang out a lot, but with Marsha Wallace, I just think she thought it was a hoot. I think mm. she just thought this is ridiculous. And, you know, and I can't remember if they had the prosthetics for her when her tongue pops out or her eyes bulge or whatever <laughs> happens to her. And she, I, I kind of remember like um, her being, I don't know if they showed it to her or something and her being amused by it. Um, <laughs> Kevin McCarthy was just a consummate pro from what I remember. And um, I, I really just think he was thrilled to be working. I mean, think about it. Guy was, you tell me, was he, was he 75 when he made that movie? I'd um, imagine so. Yeah. yeah. And you just don't, you don't get those. The only way you get called at that age is, and he was a great actor, but mm. a lot of it is you get called because of what you represented somewhere else, you know, like, so because he was in the body snatchers and everyone knew it's like, that's why horror geeks like John Carl, Carl and you guys would have said, mm. Oh my God, we can get Kevin McCarthy. You know, <laughs> that is of that iconic kind of, you know, thing he brings yeah. to the to the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for the for the part that Marsha was playing, you're just thinking about, you know, who's who's a good character actor, who's the right age, who's available. Um, and because, um, you know, she was wickedly funny. She could be very funny. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I don't remember her having a lot of humorous. I don't know. I think she was played it pretty straight. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm sorry. I, I did watch the movie again since I've been talking to you, but I don't. I just don't remember <laughs> being comic because the Ghoulies were all in comic relief. Yeah, but yeah. So, so she, she wasn't. Even though she's very funny, she wasn't hired really for to to flex the comedy muscle that she had. <laughs> um, the other thing about. That uh, the whole Marshall Wallace of it was when I finally went to the screening, uh, whatever, a cast and crew screening about s- whatever it was six months later or eight months later. I don't remember what the turnaround was. Um, I think we were in, I think it was Westwood. Westwood is, you know, near UCLA and that's where a lot of theaters are. And that's where a lot of movie premieres happen. That's, you know, of course I went to film school, UCLA, but I think it was a Westwood screening and it was a pretty crowded theater. People were excited. It was mostly the, it's everybody on it and the cast and crew and everything. And I hadn't seen anything. Um, and, and so I was mostly sitting there just hoping that my jokes would land, you know, <laughs> the other stuff that you don't take credit for, you don't, you don't feel invested in. Um, but, and you're also hoping, but I hope this movie is good because if it's, then I can tell people I worked on it. <laughs> um, and and it was just such a breezy kind of, and people were so on board. It's always good. If you, let me put it this way. If you have a cast and crew screening and you're not getting the laughs and the applause, then something's horribly <laughs> gone wrong because everybody's so invested in like wanting it to be good. Yeah. Um, and, 
and I, I remember thinking, yeah, this is cruising along, you know, it's not, it's, 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 it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. But of course, in my mind, I'm, um, I'm hoping that everything I've written gets, gets, you know, big laughs and uh, yeah, well, it's kind of happening, but then I, th- I think, and this is always one of those things the, I think the biggest laugh of the, of the screening that I saw may have been something I did not write that I'm pretty sure John Carl probably said, try this or something, which was one of the ghoulies going, Hey, it's the chick from new heart. <laughs> right. Yeah. So now you guys know the movie. Imagine that being just about the biggest laugh in the yeah. theater. <laughs> it's hard to I didn't get it because you live in England uh, yeah. and you're young, yeah. and you have no fucking idea what that meant when you first heard it. No. You, you know, first time you guys saw Ghoulies, you were probably twelve year old boys. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my thing was. I would never, because I had been writing comedy, you know, a little while, long enough to know that you don't want to make that kind of a reference joke if if you want your movie to, you know, be funny five, 10, 15 years later, mm. you know, try watching a whatever, a, uh, an episode of I Love Lucy, and they make a joke about Zazu Pitts, and you go... <laughs> That's what I did. That was. So, so it got the, and, and so I remember being in the theater that got the biggest laugh. And I just, I just looked at my, my girlfriend or whoever, which she was at that time, because I wound up marrying her and divorcing her. I think I looked, oh, oh my, I was like, you know, no, like, really? Please know that she's on the Bob Newhart show and that she's an actress. What? So that was one of those just we don't give a fuck. Let's just blow out the fourth wall and you know and and I still to this day do not will not write a joke like that. <laughs> someone someone liked it. That was the main thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and, and and if honestly if I'd been in the room or on the set, I would have lobbied against it. No, but again, <laughs> at the time, big laugh. Yeah. If you watched it now with anybody with a you could fill a theater with people under thirty and you would get crickets. Oh <laughs> no, sure. Yeah. Get, but there's so but, much going on in that scene anyway, I suppose. It I think a lot of it's times a throwaway. it doesn't even register. It's a, yes. Yeah. It's a yeah. throwaway. It's not like it stinks to join up, but I'm just telling you from the guy <laughs> who sat and watched the movie and was all about how are my jokes doing. Mm. To then have one of the biggest jokes be somebody else's <laughs> joke and a type of joke that I personally loathe. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Oh. yeah. But anyways, after the screening, I can't remember. I don't even think they had a, I remember it being a daytime cast and screening like on a Saturday afternoon or something. So it wasn't like, Woo, there's a big party afterwards or anything like that. So I think I went outside and saw Ian and saw, Ian was funny because he was always smoking and he always, and I think he was just like, all he cared about was, is this movie going to make money and make, make it possible for Ian to then produce something better, you know, mm-hmm. more, you know, like, Oh, I'm, you know, because Ian, Ian was, you know, uh, like everybody, 
wanting to do more important things and all that. And so he, and he, and he, and he took, and he did a great job producing it. But at that point, you're just like, Hey, I hope, I hope new world loves what I did. I hope that new world gives me more work. And then now here, cause, because here's the thing, the guy who, who really was the right guy, I think for the job and the guy who really just was like, you know, so happy and proud of his movie was John Carl. And that's how it should be, you know, and I'm not saying in any kind of way that, Ian and Larry and even myself were like, you know, it's okay. I think, like I said, from the beginning, Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College, it delivered exactly what it was supposed to deliver. But me, Larry, those guys, we were just like business mind. Like, is this going to help my career? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so there wasn't a passion there. There wasn't like, this is what I want to do. I want to make creature movies. And, and clearly, if you look at my career, I stuck to comedy and and went back into television for a few years and then decided I wanted to be around my young family more. So if you do that, you got to get out of television. Mm-hmm. So then I got features and bounced back and forth with those. On your bio, or one of the bios I found of you, it said that you were working on a project with Mike Myers. What was the project, oh, God, if that's that the case? Was a long time ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, listen, Mike Myers... I met Mike Myers because Jay Roach was one of the first people that got excited about my first draft to meet the parents. And, um, so of course Jay was, had just done Austin powers Mm -hmm. and they were planning the second one. And I, there's a chance that Mike was going to play Greg Gaylord Fokker, um, for a little while. Um, and so, and then I think maybe even Jay was like, no, or maybe even Mike was so riding such a high from Austin powers. He was like, that would probably, yeah. But anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. Um, because I got hired by Disney to adapt a, an existing screenplay to Mike Myers. It was called um, Quentin Pidd Love Broker. And if you, if you think about that one, Quentin Q dot Pidd, Cupid Love Broker. <laughs> and actually it may have been called okay. Q. Love Broker for a while, but it was a Cupid movie. <laughs> Um, Mike was going to play Cupid, who's the way it was pitched was the reason that he's love broker was that it was there's like there's a whole hierarchy of Cupids. And I and I did all this like Greek. Yeah, I, forgive me if Cupid is Roman versus Greek, but. <laughs> but I, but I just pick and show. I don't think I can't remember if I pick and chose or not. You know, back and forth. Like if some somebody, some scholar would be like, "What a farce! He's mixing Greek and Roman mythology." <laughs> Nobody would know. But it was essentially like his dad was Hades, his mom was Venus, and and he's the fuck up in the family. They're a brokerage. They're in charge of a lot of things. <laughs> He's in charge of making sure, you know, that the love department is running right. And he's kind of a fuck up. He's got some competition from his brothers who are better at it. And at some point, some point he shoots an arrow. It's supposed to hit somebody and it hits somebody else and he blows it. It's almost like, you know, go out and make sure that it's almost like an agency. Like go get... You, you need to go out and, and, and make sure that, uh, you know, back then, like it was a big hot star, that Mel Gibson uh, works with us. Go get Mel Gibson. And so it's mm. almost like that. She'd see her, Mrs. Mel Gibson, whatever, Mrs. Mel Gibson and his parents are like, you're an idiot and you need to fix this. 
And guess what? You're going to fix it. We took your, they take his arrows. Oh, I remember that. They take his arrows away. You're, you're, you're <laughs> reckless with the arrows. And so he's like, shit, I got to fix this. But now he doesn't have his arrow. So he had to go into our world and, and, and break up the couple that he hooked up and get the couple that he was supposed to hook up to get without using arrows. So that that's kind great. of great. It's a fucking great setup, right? Mm. <laughs> so that's what I came that's what I came on board to do. And that was what I just pitched you was my take on it. I can't remember what the original draft did, but I did wind up working with Mike a bit. Um, and I flew to Ontario, no, Montreal, no, uh, Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. Mm. I flew to Toronto in the dead of fucking winter with Erwin Stoff, who was Mike's manager. And, and Erwin Stoff and I, who was, if you, Erwin Stoff was Mike's manager for a long time. I flew out with him because because Mike was doing Studio 54, the movie about the legendary New York nightclub. He was playing Steve, whatever one of the guys that founded it um, yeah. was. Yeah. So it was a, it was one of those weird like Mike's doing a straight role here. Um, but Wasn't that straight? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know I don't even know that I ever saw that movie. Steve Rubin, I think he was playing. Anyway. Is that right? So, so here's, here's pretty much my existence uh, for that three day long three day weekend was fly to Toronto. Wow. It's dark and cold. Great hotel room. Um, Mike's in it in the suite up in the top. Um, I got to find room, but here's the thing I got to, he's going to come by tomorrow and I got to pitch him the whole movie and I've got maybe half of it figured out. <laughs> so <laughs> that was just one of those like, you know, 12 hours pacing in a room, banging shit away. And then, but, but by the time I was done, I was like, Hey, this actually works. Um, you know, Mike came in, I pitched it to him for about an, just by himself, me and him in a room, pitched it to him for about an hour and maybe an hour and a half. The great thing was every time he went, well, but what about this? I had an answer for him, like, you know, cause he was trying to make sure that I had thought things through and I had, um, and then, so it was good. He felt good about it. Um, then, then that night, um, Mike went off and I think Mike was with his girlfriend or wife, Robin, whatever. So Erwin was it Irwin or somebody else? There was another executive along. I don't know. But long story short, I got fed very well, and I realized that the strip joints in Canada are much better than the ones in the U.S. And then I and side note: the actor Andrew McCarthy. You know who he yeah, is? Yeah, Weekend of Bunnies. Pack. What's that? Mm-hmm. Weekend of Bunnies. Yes. He was he was in the same hotel as us shooting in Toronto something as well. And when I was a couple times when I was coming and going, so was he. And he looked always looked kind of either trying to be incognito or he was just wrecked in some way. I don't know which. <laughs> but he was kind of still he, he was still on the upswing then still still considered, you know, box office. And mm. so he was there for some reason and uh related to to shooting and so is mike i mean, I mean by the way if he's in the studio 50 more before movie and i don't know that then i'm then i'm an idiot because i've had <laughs> 30 years to figure that connection out 
He was probably on another floor where another writer was pitching him week into Bernie's three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was really it. Except I did, I did. Um, I lived in the what they call the valley here. It's the you know the back side of the hill that the Hollywood sign is on is the valley, and then the other side is Hollywood and the west side and all that. And 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 I was shopping maybe two three years later in a nice shopping mall with my kids, and I looked over and saw John Carl with his kids, um, and. I believe we exchanged, uh, you know, hey, and uh, oh, that's your kid. Oh, yeah, this is my kid. That's your kid. Oh, how's everything going? Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then that was that. And then never heard another word from him. Um, and then, unfortunately, as you know, he died last year, which was shitty. Too young. Mm. Go get your prostates checked, everyone. Public service announcement. I'm not saying that glibly. Um and um, and then Ian Patterson, I don't think I've ever ran into him again. Um, trying to think if there's anybody in the cast that I ever crossed paths with. I know Griffin O'Neill was in it, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He doesn't remember doing it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Have you actually had a chance to interview him? <laughs> no, because I, I said few messages and I said I'd love to speak to you and he was like I know I did it but I can't remember doing it <laughs> I, would, I would believe that would believe yeah that. So, yeah yeah and then as far as the other is there anybody else besides Ava LaRue from the young cast that went on to do much um Jason Scott Lee well, yeah, oh yeah, yeah Jason yeah. Scott Lee mm, and um, Matthew Lillard oh who's the um who's Matthew Lillard? Oh, yeah. Lillard. Yeah, yeah, see Matthew Lillard is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually friendly with him. I've, he lives in. Oh, Pasadena. wonderful! Oh, wow. I know his wife. I met his sister. I. That's funny. I. I did not. Does he have a big part? No, no. He's got a very small part. It's his first, I think it was his first role, actually. Because mm. because I did like I said, is it. Has it been two years now since you first contacted me, Graham? Probably, because the last year has oh. been a blur for everybody. So, yeah, yeah. oddly enough, when I looked at it, um, and I think I watched it online, and it wasn't great, the quality that I watched. But I'm surprised that I didn't go, oh, my God, that's Matthew Lillard. But I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does look because, quite different. Yeah, because I can easily... I could easily like I wouldn't do this, but but I could I could contact him and go, dude, I had no idea that something I worked on you were in. <laughs> you shouldn't. Next next birthday I card. Will, you know, it comes up. We have, like I said, we have mutual <laughs> friends and he's a local. <laughs> His wife's a realtor in Pasadena. She's lovely. And um Yeah. He's got a very big Twitter presence too, I think. Oh sure, yeah. Yeah, he's been a, a couple of conventions over here before this all went to shit, and uh, yeah, yeah, very um, very popular. Yeah, <laughs> funny how some people do that. But. <laughs> oh, sorry, back to Gooley. Just a real quick one. Um, you said you you uh, you went to UCLA, and obviously uh, Gooley's go to college was a lot of it was filmed at UCLA. Um, yeah, you, yeah. Did you put any of your sort of past college experiences? into the film do you remember like the jokes or anything like that um no i mean what i 
what I know I did was I, I, because college was still fresh in my mind, I mm -hmm. did know the frat boy kind of attitude and some yeah. of the language and that stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, if there was, if there was something that they were, some lingo that they were throwing around that might now seem horribly dated, <laughs> then I don't think there's um, any. You can, you have me to thank for that. <laughs> um, but, but that was organic. I didn't, I didn't, uh, and then in the sense of, you know, I, I didn't create catchphrases or things. It was, you know, if someone said beer me or something, that's because that's what they were saying back then. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you don't have to be a frat boy to know a frat boy. Although I did, I, I, I did, uh, spend a bit of my freshman year hanging out a lot with fraternity boys because other friends of mine, uh, rushed the, you know, the Greek system and became fraternity boys. But I have to say, you would struggle mightily to find anyone who was in college and creative enough to get into UCLA film school. And also I did stand up comedy with a lot of, um, my, uh, peers at the time, uh, who went on to do great things in film like Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson and Shane Black and, and, um, and, 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 the point being, none of them were in the Greek system. You know, <laughs> creative people, they're really creative people, and the Greek mm -hmm. people, they don't mix. No. no. <laughs> well, so, that's amazing, Jim. No, seriously, it's been really good fun. All right, guys, great chatting with you, and yeah. uh, you know, you Brian, too, you know you're gonna hold with me, and um, and best to you both. Enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah.